The following audio is from Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas. Our mission, to love God, love others, and make disciples. For more information about Fellowship, visit fellowshiptx.org. All right, everybody. Well, welcome back to our latest episode of the Fellowship Podcast. I'm Julian, your associate pastor, sitting here with Daniel, our lead pastor. It was good to have you back on Sunday. I know y'all were gone for a little while on your Disney vacation. It looked like y'all had a lot of fun. Yeah, we did. We had uh, we had a great time. Uh, it was Florida, so it's hot, and uh, they're still Disney's still doing a lot of mask stuff. So we wore masks all oh, day man. long. It's like wearing a sweater on your face. <laughs> uh, but we 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 did have, we had a good time. The kids loved it. I really enjoyed getting to watch my kids like love Disney. That was the fun yeah. part for me. As a parent, I was exhausted. My feet hurt from walking around so much, but I really enjoyed watching the kids just love Disney. Yeah, that vacation looks exhausting. Like, it's not really a vacation. No, you need a vacation. It's one of the ones you need vacation from your vacation kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were happy to have you back. Um, we had some baptisms while you were gone. You know that, yeah. of course. You were well in the loop, and uh, everything went well, but it was good to kind of be back as a unit. Yes. It kind of feels weird when any one of us, I think, is out of the office for a little yeah. period of time, right? I agree, 100%. It's like you're not complete, and yeah. you're walking around the halls being like, where is everybody? Yeah. It's so anybody, weird. Like, typically, you and I go in each other's office. We talk about what we're preaching about. Yeah. Like, if you don't have that, it's like, man, it's not as fun. <laughs> I miss my friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was good to have you back. And uh, we started a new series on Philippians. Yeah. Uh, the book of Philippians is going to be a book series. It's probably going to take a little bit of time to get through that. Yeah, it's going to take several weeks to get through it. So I think there's four chapters in philippians and so it'll mm-hmm. it'll take us a little while to get through all that it's a neat little book and uh really neat kind of interesting things about uh philippi and the city that that this church was in so i mean can you tell us a little bit more about that i know you didn't get into real big detail sunday uh that's just not how we choose to do things on sunday mornings right but um you know what else can you tell us about philippi and some of the you know how paul got there and who were they and yeah so it's actually a kind of an interesting story uh, paul has this vision uh, of a guy asking for uh, him to come and uh, saying that they need help in Macedonia, which we know is Philippi as well, uh, and, and calling out uh, for, for help. And so Paul has this vision, and so he goes, and uh, he gets there, and Philippi uh, didn't really have uh, much of a Jewish presence there. There wasn't a temple in Philippi. Hmm. Uh, that's why we know um, he goes and he meets these women on the Sabbath outside of the city, but because there's nowhere inside to, to meet in uh, so uh, it kind of starts with the really humble beginnings. You got the, uh, the Philippian jailer. Yeah. You got Lydia, who he meets, who's this uh, kind of wealthy seamstress lady um, who has this, you know, a little business and uh, kind of cares for Paul a little bit through some of his time there. And um, so it kind of has this these humble beginnings, uh, and then it, it just kind of grows uh, from from those. Uh, beginnings, people doing what you're supposed to do, professing the gospel, going out, reaching out, and they build this church in Philippi. And obviously, Paul loves the Philippians. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very evident by the way that he uh, talks about them. Uh, they obviously love him. You know, t- Sunday I talked about them supporting him in ministry and supporting him financially. Um, at some point, they're like the only people f- supporting him. He says, "Wow!" And uh, it's 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 really cool to see that. He obviously had a very meaningful relationship with these people. They, he loved them. They loved him. Um, and so he, he's writing to them, uh, very proud of who they are and, and the fact that they've uh, stood firm because there's a lot of threats of uh, false teaching. They're not very wealthy. Um, yeah. uh, there's a lot of financial struggle. Um, and there's also this, this little fight that breaks out between two uh, prominent women within the church and so mm-hmm. there's some some controversy going on and 
Uh, but but through all of that, uh, it's evident that they're passionate about the gospel and they're passionate about ministry, and and he loves that about them. And so, it's a cool little church. And you know, you read through Acts and you kind of see some of those humble beginnings that they yeah. start with. Yeah, I think that's really cool. You mentioned the Philippian jailer. You know, his whole house was saved, and yeah. who knows how many people were there. And so, I'm right. sure they had a nice little core to start off with. And uh, it's interesting. Paul usually goes to a synagogue. Yes. In every town he goes to first. That's his beginning. And then, uh, and there wasn't one there. There wasn't and, one there. So, so it's got very humble beginnings, but it's also cool to see that when churches and people, the people of God do what God has called us to do, mm-hmm. which is profess Christ and profess the gospel, uh, and God will use that and grow that. And, yeah. And so that's a cool thing to see that God used such humble beginnings for his glory and grew that church there. And they were a church founded on the right things and, and stood for you know truth and mm-hmm. proclaimed the gospel and continue to grow. That's that's what you want to see. That's what we want to see today, yeah. you know, thousands of years later. Yeah, and so uh, you, when you first got into it, you were talking about happiness and joy and the differences between those two. And you talked about uh, the kids being real happy to be at yeah. the happiest place on earth, quote unquote. And um, but uh, but I think a lot of people struggle with that, right? With happiness and joy, and they don't know how to differentiate the mm-hmm. two. Um, and so. You know, why do you think there are so many preachers preaching messages about how you can be happy? Because we know, I think we fight that a lot being in the ministry. We fight the, I don't know what it is, like the feel good type message that says God, God is all about you. God wants you to be happy. God wants to bless you in such a way to make you happy. Um, You know, you mentioned that these people in Philippi were not very wealthy. Mm. Yet they kept giving to Paul in abundance. And uh, and I've been broke before. You know, we've all been there. You're not very happy when you're broke. Right. But they had this joy of their salvation. Well, why has that message changed, do you think? Why, why, why do we hear so much of that these days? I think it's a cultural thing. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a satanic allurement, too. Mm. I think it's, it's this uh, attractive thing that Satan lures in front of us. Hey, pursue this. Uh, this this emotional high moment it'll feel good come and do this and, and pursue this with your life because he knows if you can focus if he gets you to focus on that then you've wasted your life mm. and you've not lived for the glory of god you've lived for the glory of self and and if he can pull you in that direction then he knows that he can distract you from what really matters and then you've you, you've wasted your life and you're not living the abundant life that christ came to offer and so i think it's very much um i think it's one of satan's uh, very uh, attractive lures that he puts in front of us uh, to tempt us away from the real thing that, that God has to offer us. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't, I don't know why preachers do what they do, but I think that uh, some, we, there's a lot of people that profess to be preachers and say they're called a ministry, but a lot of guys are in it for, for the power and the money and mm. different things. And they themselves are pursuing happiness. And that's so, evident. Yeah. yeah. So if they're, if they're personally living that life, then how are, that's what they're going to try to draw you to live as well. Mm. Um, and, and that is very evident. You know, you got pre pastors who are standing up talking about how they need another new jet and, <laughs> Yeah, $65 million jet. Yeah, their old jet wasn't sufficient, apparently, and so they need a new jet. And, or, you know, they're driving Bentleys and stupid stuff like that. Or, uh, I'm, you oh, know, see man. these guys, these young guys now that are on stage and they're wearing outfits that cost, mm. you know, the outfit cost $10,000 that they're wearing on stage. And it's like, really? That's that's nuts. Like, yeah. And, and then I hear excuses of, well, you know, 
they're in these certain areas and they have to dress like that to, to reach the people. And I'm like, no, I don't, I'm not <laughs> buying that junk. I'm not buying that. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I, th- I think that we're called to be separate uh, from the world in, uh, when we're pursuing stuff uh, or we're pursuing happiness, that's not the gospel. The gospel mm-hmm. is here to bring us joy in the midst of poverty, in the midst of trial, in the midst of sorrow. Uh, we can have joy because of the gospel. And um, I, I think that, you know, it, it would be hard for me to assess someone's motive. But I think that that's probably typically yeah. the reason. Yeah, the, the the idea of joy and having joy in all times is is a difficult one to really wrap your brain around, right? Because mm-hmm. well, so many times we connect joy with happiness and, yeah. and joy is not happiness. Right. Joy is understanding uh, that you don't have to be miserable in miserable circumstances. Right. And I think, you know, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of James. I think just because James is like punch you in the face, you know, and that's mm. kind of, I think that's my MO, you know, like I just want to punch you in the face with the theology yeah. and not be very uh, happy about it. But anyways, James is like that. And James says like count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations. And it's like, how do I do that? You know, it doesn't make sense. But, but, but I think you're right. Like when the message is sufficient, then your happiness doesn't matter. Right. Because there's people who are in other countries who are not, they're not living in this abundance of wealth or, or prosperity yet. They have this joy in them. The underground church in China, you know, one of them, is they're just growing and growing and growing and yet they're being persecuted and they have this joy in their heart that they can go out and, and give the message that Jesus commissioned them to give, which I think is really neat. Yeah, I think in, in many of those circumstances too is understanding that Jesus is enough. Mm-hmm. So you don't need Jesus and your health. You don't need Jesus and wealth. You don't need Jesus and you know all of the power and new job and all that. Jesus is enough. And yeah. so... If you have those things, great, Jesus is enough. If you don't have those things, great, Jesus is still enough. And that's what Paul says when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? He says, whether in poverty or or, Mm -hmm. or riches, I can endure all things through Christ because Christ is enough. Mm. It's being content in your relationship with Christ. Because Jesus said himself, he said, I'm the bread of life. He told the woman of the well, the water that I give will give you life. And and what he's saying is there is, I'm what sustains you. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm what will give you contentment. You need to find contentment in me, not in all this other stuff. And I think we've got a lot of people in the church today, especially in the culture. Let's, let's move that outside the world. But even in the church today who they're just not content, they, right. they, they feel like they need all this stuff to be happy and they're pursuing happiness and it's leaving them uh, just frustrated and stressed, stressed out and more, more worried about, getting the next thing and they're never content because Mm -hmm. you know you get the new truck and then immediately you want the next new truck or you you know it's it's this continual pursuit and you're never content and that's why uh, that's why it's a a vain attempt to try to pursue happy happiness we should be pursuing joy because that's where we're content yeah if salvation and what comes with it is all about us then that's very easy to abandon mm-hmm. when things for us isn't going well. Right. Right. In other words, you know, I come to Jesus 
for these benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, as soon as I no longer have these benefits, so what do I need Jesus? For? What do I need Jesus for? Yeah. Right? Or, or if I didn't, I came to Jesus and I didn't get those benefits that I was going to get. Then He's not real, and it wasn't enough. Exactly. And, and so many people walk away from the faith because people are preaching that false gospel. Yeah. You got people that are saying, "Hey, come to Jesus, and He'll make your life so much better. He'll right. give you wealth, and He'll give you all this stuff." And so people come to that, and then when they don't get it, they're like, "Hold on, Jesus must not be real," mm-hmm. and they walk away from the faith, and they never heard a true gospel to begin with. And it's a sad, yeah. sad thing. Yeah, and that, and that's why I think there's a really important task that when we preach, we say salvation is all about Jesus. Yes, it's not about you. The we say that a lot here. It's not about you. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about who Jesus is and why He's worthy, and and uh, and that's what salvation is all about. Mm-hmm. And he saves us for a reason to then go give that message to somebody else to be saved, not so that way we can have this life of abundance and whatnot i mean it is abundant life but yeah. not abundance as far as prosperity is concerned and, and right. whatnot. abundance is fulfillment yeah absolutely and uh and then uh, you you talked about how you know these philippians had joy and they paul was confident in their salvation that he 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 was very proud of them that they were defending the message that was true and uh, and and you said conf- he had confidence in their salvation, and so uh, Paul was obviously confident in them because of what he saw in them, correct? Because yes. of their fruit. Sometimes we don't see that in people in our congregation. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, even here at Fellowship, sometimes we don't see that fruit. And so, how can we as leaders remain confident in our congregation when it seems that so many of them are missing some of these attributes that Paul points out? Yeah, well, Paul was confident because of what he saw in them. And so if you don't see that, then it's hard to be confident. Now, I think there's a tightrope people have to walk uh, as far as legalism and judging people and all that kind of stuff. Let's knock all that out the window and just say, obviously, if there's salvation, there's fruit. Mm -hmm. And that's biblical. That is what it is. Um, and, and so if we don't see that in people, if we don't see a passion for the gospel, if we don't see a zeal uh, for people getting saved and we're not seeing the fruit or sanctification in people's lives, then, then, then it, is, it is what it is. And, and I think we see more of that in churches today um, just because, you know, people are, it's, it's, we've got this Bible Belt thing. I, I've said this the past few sermons at the end that because of where we live and because of, uh, the context of the culture of Southeast Texas, there's a lot of people that are going to profess and say that they're Christians. Yeah. Uh, more than, more than what would not are going to profess Christianity as their, as their religion or their faith. Mm-hmm. But the truth is there's no fruit in that many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, our world will look a lot different if, sure. if there was, if, if many people profess Christ in Southeast Texas actually lived like they profess, you know, like they, what they profess, then our, our area would look different. Yeah. Um, but but there's 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 no fruit and uh, and so to say that I can be confident when I don't see fruit that's I, I can't be. Hmm. But what I can do is I can continue to challenge people and hopefully um, help them see that that just because they said a prayer to VBS or just because they got baptized or just because they filled out a card or set up or whatever that doesn't mean that they're saved. That if they didn't ever truly surrender their life to Jesus and surrender their heart to Jesus and there isn't any fruit. Uh, backed up by that, then they're not really saved. And yeah. I can continue to preach the gospel to them and pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them and change them. That being said, Sunday we saw tons of people who have been in church their whole life step out in faith, come to a laundromat outreach and profess Jesus mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a way that they were incredibly uncomfortable with and, and fearful of. But they got out of their comfort zones because they've been challenged. Right. 
right? And so we continue to challenge. We're going to see fruit from that mm. uh, because the Word of God changes people's lives. Yeah. And so while I can't say that, you know, I'm confident about people who I don't see fruit in, I am starting to see some fruit too, okay. which is super exciting, yeah. right? You're seeing people who have been in church their whole life and maybe never shared the gospel being convicted of it and challenged by it and stepping out in obedience and doing what God's called them to do. And that, man, Sunday I was exhausted from Disney and then yeah. we went and did the, um, we, we had Sunday service and, and to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't want to go to laundromat Sunday. <laughs> I mean, just speaking truth, uh, yeah. I wanted to go home and take a nap. I was exhausted. Yeah. Uh, but we went ate lunch and then we had a gender reveal thing and then we went and did the laundromat. So I never even went home. And, uh, and I was exhausted. I didn't want to go, but when I left, um, man, I was fired up mm-hmm. because to see that in people, um, that, that puts wind in my cells and gets me, gets me pumped up to see, um, to see people like that take a step towards obedience. Yeah. It gets me super excited. That, that's encouraging to hear too, because I think I fall on the, I'm, as we both know, I'm very optimistic. Right. I like to take risk. I'm very optimistic. But I think on a, on the side of being confident in people who come to church, I think I'm very pessimistic. Mm. And it's hard for me to to it. Let me rephrase that. It's easy for me sometimes to write people off when I don't see fruit. Mm. You know what I mean? And uh, and to hear that it kind of gives me this new look on it that, you know, some people are they are saved they have christ in them but they've never been challenged enough to go out and do what christ has called them to do Mm -hmm. right and uh and and you're right you know as long as we keep challenging them to do it there's going to be people who their fruit is going to start to show and they're actually going to do it yeah right They, they 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 needed that equipping from pastors and that's was our job yes to then go and do not to cater to them on sunday mornings and well, if, if we get defeated and and say well you know people are only going to give you what they're going to give you yeah you know they're you know, people are just going to come on sunday mornings they're going to be cap- happy with that that's all they're going to give you they give you one hour and that is what it is and we just have to be comfortable with that and take what we can get if we take that defeated spirit as leaders, then we have done our people an injustice. Our mm. job, we're shepherds. Yeah. The shepherd never says, well, the sheep are just going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> That's not shepherding. The Whether shepherds, it's safe for them or not. Yeah. yeah. The, the shepherds go in and they move the sheep. Mm. Right. That's, yeah. that's their job. They go get the staff and they move the sheep, even the stubborn ones that don't want to move. They go and move the sheep. Right. Mm. And, and I feel like as a shepherd, that's what our job is, that, that we're called to go out and provoke people. And, and Truth be told, some people who aren't truly sheep aren't going to move. Sure. And that is what it is. But yeah. me as the shepherd, I'm going to go and pull them kicking and screaming as much as I can this out of heaven because that's been my calling in life is to yeah. provoke people and push people towards living their life in radical abandonment for the gospel. That's that's what I've been called to be as, as a leader. Yeah. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to accept, well, people are just going to be people. Right. And so... Um, you know, I want to be like Paul. I want to one day be able to stand and say, I'm confident that all of the mm. members of Fellowship Church are truly saved because of their passion, their heart for the gospel. That's where I want to be one day. Yeah. But to get there, Paul did some work. He right. was in Philippi and he did some work, right? Yeah. And he pushed people and he provoked people and he preached the gospel. And so I think that that's our role as, as shepherds to do that. I think, too, um, and I'm not saying we have it harder in the Bible Belt uh, than Paul did or whatever, but, you know, 
we talked about it before that people when they when they surrendered back then that they knew the cost and they you know it was like a it was a genuine deal for them mm-hmm. to say I'm a Christian. Now sometimes they got theology mixed up and wrong and Paul had to correct them, but from a genuineness standpoint, I you know they came into it understanding the the consequences that would happen. They risked their lives. They risked their lives. And we've talked about it before, how this culture today of kind of seeker-friendly church culture, open the doors, come come who may, and, you know, we'll just, we'll preach to you. And, like, that's not how it was designed. And I think that has been a detriment to the church, not not to have open doors to whoever would come. Obviously, we want that. But it's been a detriment that that's the model we've now followed for the longest time. And people, I've heard this a lot, like, oh, I just got to get my Jesus in. And then mm. they go to church on Sunday, mm. you know, and they live their lives, how they're going to live their lives during the week and during the weekend. And they party or do whatever they want, live together. And, you know, but then they're like, I need to get my soul right and get some Jesus. And the church doors are going to be open because we're not going to challenge you to do anything different. Mm. And so, um, so I do think you're right, absolutely, 100%, that we have to challenge people in a way to help them to see that sin is sin and sin is wrong. And, and if you want to consider yourself a Christian, consider the cost, because it does mean giving your life up. Yes. It means surrendering your whole life to where you no longer live, but Christ lives in you. Right. And, uh, and it, it encourages me to see people who have uh, even been coming to fellowship for a long, long time not been challenged but are being challenged now to then take up that mantle and say i've never somebody said that the other day i've never done this in my life yeah and here i am doing it right they said that on sunday going to the laundromat and uh and that's awesome man that that gives me encouragement that it's not a losing task yes you know what i mean exactly it's in it can feel like that sometimes yeah it can feel like sometimes you're just hacking away and nothing's being accomplished (laughs) but but if you're doing what God's called you to do, you you know you trust the Holy Spirit to work in people's hearts, and, and yeah. He's gonna He's gonna work and He's gonna move. And if we're doing what He's told us to do, which mm. I truly hundred percent believe that we are, sure, uh, then then He's gonna take care of the results. Yeah, the fruit is gonna come. Yeah, we'll see the growth. Yeah. So uh, talking about people and you know the fruit and kind of you said sanctification, but you also said sanctification is the fruit of salvation, meaning. We'll see people growing in sanctification because they're saved, right? Yes. So everyone's sanctification is at a different point in their life, right? Yeah. In other words, we were just talking before we started recording about uh, some members who have been newly saved and, you know, where they are in their sanctification as far as we can tell and whatnot. And so how can we help people grow in their sanctification so that they can be confident in their relationship with Christ? Well, I think the key there is discipleship. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we need to push people to seek to know more about God through discipleship relationships. And then, of course, like I said Sunday, that's going to stir their affections for God. The more you know about God, the more you're going to love God if you're truly saved, obviously. Sure. And then the more they know, uh, the more they love God, the more they're going to focus on God, the more they're going to, you know, steer their life towards the things of God. And, you know, it, I feel like churches really have gotten focused on all of the the outside stuff like the morality and make sure you don't drink, make sure you don't smoke, make sure you don't chew, make sure you don't go with girls that do all that kind of stuff. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So we spend, we spend years uh, focusing on external issues when we're we're just, we're just dealing with behavior modification. Yeah. Like my, my dad, when I was a little kid, if I did something bad, he'd bust my butt. Right. That's, Mm -hmm. that's behavior modification. He's teaching. Don't do that again. Right. That's not what the gospel is. Hmm. The gospel is that the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and changes your desires, right? And so yeah. 
Uh, I think that we need to focus more on pointing people to a greater understanding of who God is so that they can have a greater love for God, so that they can have uh, a greater focus on God. I think that that's a more productive uh, outlook because I think that's that's letting the Holy Spirit do the work in a person. Yeah. And it'll take care of all that morality stuff. If someone's seeking to know more about God and they're falling more in love with God, they're going to start to focus their lives on God more. They're going to sure. start to live it out more. And so you're going to see that morality take place. Obviously, we're not going to condone people you know, doing things that are against the Scriptures. Yeah. But, but at the same time, if someone comes to profess Christ on Sunday, you got to give them some time to like the Holy Spirit to work that out. Sure. And so um, w- there's going to be people throughout a spectrum of that process of sanctification. Um, and the, that's going to be the case throughout their entire life. Mm-hmm. But the key to that is discipleship, having people in their life to say, hey, uh, here, here's here's who God is. Let me, let me walk through the scriptures with you and yeah. show you what I've learned and my experiences and what I've gone through. And let's keep each other accountable through this thing. Um, I think that that's that's key and that's why we've invested so many eggs in that basket right we mm. we yeah we've made that our model and we've seen fruit of that we've seen people get saved in a discipleship relationship because they're like yeah this what we're <laughs> talking about that's not me mm-hmm. I, I can look at this now and see that that's not me yeah and uh i think that's key is is putting people in smaller groups like that one-on-one with someone who's a little bit further along in the faith, a little bit further along in their sanctification, so they can help this new believer along in the process as well. Yeah, and you said something right now that just kind of piqued my interest. Like, behavior modification is necessary, though, right? Yeah, but us adjusting the behavior okay. is not... Yeah. Obviously, your behavior is going to change. The Holy Spirit is yeah. not going to allow you to continue to live in sin. Yeah. I guess what I mean, though, is that, like, Jesus at times had to, like, get on to his disciples. Like, you know better than that, or you should be further along than this. That's, I guess, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I know, you know, I've discipled people, and there have been times where I just got to kind of be blunt with them and be like, hey, man, you shouldn't be doing that, or you shouldn't be doing this, or yeah. you should be further along than this, you know? And... uh Maybe speak to that a little bit. You know, how, how do we, how do we, if we're discipling somebody or you're being discipled by somebody, how do you handle that with grace? You know, saying like you, you have to be that voice to help them understand where they need to be in sanctification. Or can you be that voice? I think you should be that voice if you're in a discipleship relationship. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the whole point of a discipleship relationship is that accountability aspect mm. of, um, you know, you're, you're pointing people towards God, showing them what a Christian should look like. Yeah. Right? Like Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Right. That's that's kind of that discipleship relationship of, hey, I'm going to follow Christ and you're going to follow me. I'm going to show you how this thing works. Yeah. And, and just like with my kids, I'm showing them how to live their life. And and when what it means, my my, my I have three boys. I'm trying to show them what it looks like to be a man. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes that means I have to go to Carter and say, you're being a lazy bum, and that's not what a man does, right? <laughs> yeah. I told you to mow grass. Yeah. And, and a man does it, takes care of his responsibilities, and mm-hmm. right now you're not doing that. And so, uh, you know, sometimes it does require that loving push. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't like that. Sure. My dad did that to me. I yeah. hated when he came in there. And, made, and one time I was supposed to mow grass, and I didn't, and dad came home i was headed out the door to go hang out with friends and he's like nope get back out there and mow the grass <laughs> and, and i didn't like that but now that i'm on this side of it i appreciate that mm. that push right i yeah. appreciate the fact that he instilled something in me to to teach me that 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 you have to take care of your responsibilities right yeah and so in a in a one-on-one discipleship relationship both parties are are 
coming into this agreement that, hey, I'm going to disciple you, and so I'm going to have the hard conversations with you. I'm gonna, I'm willing to do that. Mm. And the other person is saying, I'm entering into this discipleship relationship. I'm going to hear the hard things from you. Yeah. And I think both parties have to sign in, sign up for that, for it to be effective. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I think it, it it's very much a, a part of that discipleship relationship that you're speaking truth into someone's life. You know, if we're good friends, if if I find out that you're looking at pornography or something like that, I'm going to say something to you. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because we have that relationship to where I can say, Hey, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Right? And I would hope and pray that you would do the same for me. Sure. Um, and I think that that's that level of accountability is found in those meaningful relationships, but I'm not just going to go up to some random person <laughs> and, and have that conversation. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like because of our friendship, we've earned that. Sure. Between each other. And so I think that's found in those, those discipleship relationships because both parties have agreed to that. Yeah. Now, I didn't have this question prepared, but I was thinking about it. It was a very interesting conversation we're having, but that let's say you're you're far along in your sanctification and you and and you are like, I'm ready to be a disciple maker. Right. Like I, I'm ready. Maybe they've gotten a phone call from us, as we do often, and be like, we want to put you in a discipleship leading program. Like people are terrified of what you said. Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. Mm. Right. Because everybody's flawed. Yeah. And I think Paul was flawed. Yeah, Paul was flawed. And people are terrified to say, watch me and do it this way because they're like, no, 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 no. Don't watch me because that's not the person. Go watch the pastors or yeah. watch whoever. And so how, how how would you encourage somebody to be like, you're ready, even though you might not think you're ready? And we were kind of talking about that a little bit earlier. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that any of us would say that the disciples were ready for the task sure. that they were given. But yet Jesus gave them that i mean peter denied jesus three times and then right after that jesus is like all right here's the keys <laughs> yeah. boy, you boys drive it like you stole it you know yeah uh i would have never put peter in charge of anything yeah okay i would have said you messed up brother mm. you're done right because um because we have this i guess earthly mindset but jesus saw something bigger in peter and obviously look what look what happened but um uh, i think that I think that people need to recognize that they're not doing this stuff in their own strength. They're doing it in the power oh, yeah. of the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. And 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 God wants to use you. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is how God wants you. People are always wondering, what does God want for my life? God wants you to be a discipler. That's mm-hmm. what that, that's clear in Scripture. He said, "Go and make disciples." That's that's what God wants for every person mm-hmm. to to grow in their sanctification to a point where they're ready then to disciple other people. That's what God's plan is for your life. That's it. You're seeking for it. I just told you what it is. You don't have to look anymore. It's, it's yeah. to make disciples. Congratulations. Congratulations. You have your purpose. You have your assignment. Go yeah. and make disciples. And the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to do that. And you will you will fail. Sure. You will mess up. Paul said, man, I do the things that I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I know I should do. Yeah. And, and, and that's all of us. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we all are going to fail along this, this path, and we're all going to let people down. And it's, it, it, it's a sad reality of, of the fallen state of man. But... That doesn't stop us from stepping out and doing what God's called us to do. We still right. have to be disciple makers. And so uh, for the, for those listening who uh, are at that point, man, step out and, and start leading. Uh, because another thing I know, too, is anytime anybody steps out in faith and starts leading, the Holy Spirit will bring you along and, and, and equip you for what it is that he wants uh, wants for your life. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of people be like, man, I just I can't be a teacher. I'm just not. I don't know enough. I'm not prepared. And then we put them in some kind of teaching role and mm-hmm. they rise to the occasion. They do it. And, and 
that process alone causes them to grow so much. Just stepping out in faith and doing what God is calling them to do helps them grow exponentially. And it's a, it's this quick process of like, man, I I have this burden and this responsibility of, man, I better be ready for this task. And so they, they rise to the occasion and and that's going to be true for everybody. I mean, even I always find it funny when, when people start talking about, you know, they get married and they're like, we're going to wait to have kids. We're just not ready yet. We want to wait till we have enough money or, you know, mm-hmm. you're never going to have that. Right. No, you're never going to be know absolutely from experience, ready. Like you, <laughs> you're never ready. At some point you jump off, you jump off the cliff and you just do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But you're never going to have enough money to do. You're never going to have enough uh, wisdom and all that. You just do it. And then you rise to the occasion. Yeah. Um, the same is true with the salvation. You're never going to be ready for that hmm. in, in your own mind. And if you are, I don't know that you're the right person to be disciplined. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm still like have this thought, like I'm not qualified for this, mm. but, but the Holy Spirit's called me to it. God's called me to do it. And so I'm going to surrender to his calling. And, and I think that's true for everybody for discipling as well. That's real interesting. You say that. Cause I feel like that all the time. Like I'm not qualified to I'm do what I do. And be here. Yeah. <laughs> Every Sunday yeah. before I go up, I'm like, I'm not, why, why am I doing this? Yeah. Why, why am I the one in this position is because God calls us that, and that's the that's I think that's the posture we should all have. And mm-hmm. If we start to if we start to move out of that posture into one of I've got this all figured out, then then we've entered into a whole nother sin issue, and yeah, it's a whole nother deal. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm so excited to hear more about the Philippian church and about how Paul uh, how Paul encourages them and writes to them, and so um, I can't wait for this Sunday. Um, we have our equip classes again mm-hmm. this Wednesday. That's been going great. Um, yeah. Our sharing your faith. We had a little field trip on Sunday. Many of my class showed up to to go to the laundromat and to you know t- take that first baby step of of doing what they were called to do. And so we're excited. If you haven't uh, if you haven't been joining us on Wednesdays, we're starting again after the summer. All the classes will restart, and so you'll have an opportunity to sign up. And to come check that out. And uh, we'll, we'll see you this Sunday. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And we always welcome you to join us at Fellowship Church in Nederland, Texas, where we gather, grow, give, and go.